Golf Podcast, presented by Golficity, where we bring you the tips, instruction, and support you need to get the most out of your golf game. And now your hosts, Frank and Mike. All right, guys, welcome back to the Golf Podcast. Believe it or not, this is episode number 380. Do you think we would have made it to 38? <laughs> I think I had high enough hopes for us that we could make it to 38. Okay. But 380, I, I think every time we about to hit record, we glance down at that number, and I'm like, wow. It's amazing how many of these it really is, man. we've it really done. Is. But it just shows how much golf there is to talk about. And, and today we've got another topic that we're going to dive into in a few minutes. Before, we're going to give you some updates of some interesting and exciting stuff we've got going on around Golficity. But I want to talk about something specific that Ben Hogan did. Uh, and it was had to do with his lead wrist. It's a wrist supposition um, that really, I mean, we all know that Ben Hogan, one of the greatest ball strikers of all time. In fact, Mike, I find myself very often just getting lost watching slow motions of his swing when they pop up on Instagram. But this has really been one of those go-tos for me that I've done in all areas of the game, both full swing and short game, when I find that I'm slipping back into flipping the uh, the club a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If I find that I'm flipping and I'm just not making that crisp compression you know, you can you can hear it. You know, when you can hear when a golf ball is compressed the right way, and you can see it in the ball flight. And I find if I'm getting away from that, because I think that's what golf often is. It's it's these. There's so much to do and so much to remember that oftentimes um, we kind of we, we forget something or we get away from doing something, and and things come off the rails a little bit. And we've got to as golfers adapt and get back to where we were. And I find that this is one of those things that can remind myself. If I find that I'm flipping a little bit, just this one move that Ben Hogan went over extensively in his book and talked about it a lot, that I can just do that and that'll really help me. And it's, it's another thing that we did quite a bit in our playing lesson at Pound Ridge. That's yeah, what right. first brought this to my attention. And we used the impact bag. I mm-hmm. think we can we can dive into that a little bit too, how the impact bag can help give you the proper feel for that wrist supination. Uh, and I'll probably pronounce that wrong, but supination, supination, whatever. Rotation, right? Motion. Uh, it's uh, no, it's how you your it's the angle of your wrist. So at at impact. Okay, so, so my, yeah. I guess when I go back, Wikipedia is wrong. <laughs> yeah, so it's the angle of your wrist at impact, and we'll dive into that in, in detail. But effectively, if you can provide that proper wrist angle at impact, there's almost no way to flip the club. Got it. All right, so we're going to dive into that in extensive detail a little bit later on. Um, before we do, Mike, what else have we got going on? Well, first off, uh, I want to highlight you're playing some good golf. You tied a personal best recently. I did. And Architects, which, by the way, great course. If you are in the New Jersey or even the Pennsylvania, like Philly area, I'm sure you've heard of Architects. Uh, it's out in Lepatcon, New Jersey, right on the border. And this this club, I mean, what was it? it was every hole was des- had like a, a design or like a like a flair from a golf course architect from what was the period 1895 to 1955 yeah it was all your pretty much classic architects, architects. everybody from old tom to donald ross right. killing hass robert trent jones was 18th hole yes um no pete die no one like post right uh no like gil hans things like that but uh really cool everything had a little bit of remember that uh Al- alistair mckenzie hole you you remembered you almost made eagle on it uh, yeah uh guy was on fire Anyway, you see this video, <laughs> um, but uh, that thing had a little touch of Augusta. With it the, really with did. The walk, so really cool. I mean, your game's humming. I got to tell you, though, I wanted to highlight this because you're you're getting off the tee pretty darn well. 
Yeah, I, I somebody there. it was funny. Somebody on Instagram asked in the comments like, "What what would be your favorite club right now?" And I said, "It's that Titleist TSI two driver because I've been relying on it so much to to make, hit fairways, which mm-hmm. give me better chances at approaches." But yeah, per, tied my personal best. Shot seventy seven. Uh, last, it's the the most the last time I broke eighty on a par seventy one or higher was years ago. You know, I just I just kind of like stayed kind of plateaued in those those uh, eighty ranges. But it's kind of funny. My last two scores that we played and entered as a handicap were both seventy seven. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the one prior was when we played that par. What was it? 60, 68, 60 sixty five. Yeah, it was yeah, that kind 65. of like that weird course. Yeah. yeah, so that one not as true of a seventy seven, but but this one felt good and. Uh, I'll tell you what, it's got my handicap down to that 10 number, so I've just got a little further to go. So you shot 77 three times. Three times, but only oh, only twice were on par. One was on a par 72, yeah. one was on a par 71. All right. All but right. Uh, it was it, it just feels good to, to be playing, you know, knock on wood well. Like I said, and that's what we talked about here, the game can come and go, mm-hmm. and that's where we got to remind ourselves of what we can do to kind of get back on track if we kind of get off track. Um, but... We are so ham and egg, by the way. Like, I feel like one day, like Hamilton Farm, I'm like hitting darts and you're off. And then we go to this course and you're on fire and I can't keep yeah. driving the fairway. Right. You know, we're just, we're never both on at the same time. It's it's definitely rare. But one thing that I have found, and like it, golf is a game of dedicated time and, and putting energy into things to get better. We've had this kind of influx of lessons that we've done recently, of playing lessons. Yeah. And just building on those, mm-hmm. I just, I see it definitely translates to my game. I, I, you know, we had our, our gears lesson that we did mm-hmm. um, at the Performance Center, Golf Performance Center, Connecticut. We right. did our playing lesson at Plainfield. Um, we did our playing lesson at Crystal Springs. And each time picking up little things. And I find that if nothing else, too, short game, you know. And those playing lessons, you learn so much in short game. And um, I just take those puzzle pieces and try to put them together when That's I'm it. out there. But it's just proof. Like we, we tell you guys all the time, we're not instructors. We're guys who are learning and, and enjoying the game. And if you want to get better, you've got to put that dedicated work in. And sometimes we're busy. We can't. But when we can, you got to really focus on it. So just that little bit, the proof is right there in the actual you know, results yeah. is that when I go out there and we get those couple of playing lessons and all of a sudden I'm, I'm playing better. It's not like a light switch. It takes time, but you do learn those little things that you can use. Those out little of the things are gold. It's man. like the three-piece read we covered well, recently. I was just going to say that. We learned the three-piece read from Tom Reynolds, and then a couple of weeks later, and I go and I learn how to hit those short pitch shots on those tight lines. Mm-hmm. And ever since, I'm hitting a whole bunch close to the pin now. Now you take two of those nuggets I've learned. You put them together. There's your... Pitching, uh, I'm chipping it close, and now I'm reading my putts better and making more putts. So those two tips, really, all I needed to shave, I don't know, maybe three to five strokes off my game. Mm-hmm. You don't need a ton of things. You don't have to do a playing lesson and learn something on every shot. You're going to drive yourself insane. Right. Just a couple of nuggets. That's why everyone asks me, Mike, I see you doing a lot of playing lessons. Is it worth spending $150 or whatever it costs to go spend nine holes with the coach? Yes. Do it once. Yeah. Do it once. It's not something you have to do every week. No. You can go, you go you broke can, doing it. And, and you'll get from a good instructor, you'll get a punch list of things that you need to work on. And then it's on you to get out there and put the work in and practice it. Mm-hmm. You know, And then you will get better. That's it. Um, but I'll tell you what. I... After my round, I, I looked at my shot scope stats and I earned a medal that I didn't think I was ever going to earn, which is no three putts in the round. Whoa. 
So if That's you think sweet. about it, that three-piece read, right? And also, I was striking the ball better. I was putting the ball closer, mm. you know. But the fact of the matter was, if you look and you think back, every time I was, I was within. Usually, my, my approach was was somewhere within that like twelve to fourteen feet range, yep. and I was not leaving myself these huge leaps. I was leaving myself tap-ins. That's just and it. and it's kind of funny as we were filming the video, it became like kind of a running joke. Where another birdie attempt, another birdie missed, another birdie attempt, another birdie missed, and I was like, I'll eventually get that birdie out here. Yep. But what you weren't seeing was, although I was missing a lot of fifteen foot birdie putts, I was tapping in a lot of pars. And also, I looked down the scorecard. I didn't want to add it up, you know. <laughs> and then you finally added up on seventeen to see, like, hey, yeah. I think I got a good round that's going here. No hitter, right? Nine. And then all of a sudden, I'm just like looking down, and I'm like, wow, that, that's that's a lot of pars. And where I didn't make par, I made bogey. Yep. You know, but I was still getting on that green and giving myself a look. So, but, by the way, funny, real quick, funny on that like, that eagle you had. I was putting for birdie too. We have this this running rule when we're filming a vlog that you know if someone's putting for birdie, it's it's a great thing. Let's make sure we capture that on video. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't get them too often. So instantly, there was no love for my birdie putt. Frank didn't even think about it. it. wasn't even a thought in his mind. He just cared about that eagle. And I just in my head, I'm like, you know what? I guess we're not doing this. I'm just gonna putt it. I didn't care. I said all the focus. So now. If you have a shot that's one better than the next, automatically the rule just has got to transition to that next. Uh, but it was too funny. Yeah, I really I wanted had, that eagle to go down. I had no idea you even had a birdie putt because yeah, I was off on the side taking pictures of that cool little bridge. We, our minds are all over the place. We're right? all over the place, right? I, Sometimes I'm on the, I don't even know the ball. Yeah, you're I'm on the green and two, and I, but I'm, I'm running down there. I'm like, hey, that bridge kind of looks like the Swilkin. And I'm down there trying to take pictures of it. It's Plus, great. on that hole, I had the drone up in the air. That's right. We've got a million things, a million things going on. You know, but, uh, but too funny. But yeah, that's good stuff. Um, all right. Uh, I also I want to give I want to give an update on the Golf SC Virtual Open. Yes. Of course, I want to dive into this idea with Hogan. Was there anything else? I think we want to talk really quick about the app. Yes, let's talk about the app real quick. So you know, guys, we don't talk about this enough. And for some of you, you have it, you downloaded it. It's free for iOS and Android. It's something we've had out there for maybe two years now. About that, yeah. About that, and we put a lot of love into it. We're constantly updating it. We just updated the notification system where we can, we can communicate better with you guys and let you know when things are live, like our Pinehurst series that we that we've been doing. Um, we do live chat premieres, and yesterday we put out a notification that we were live. A lot of you guys came in through the app. That was cool. Uh, plus, we've got a ton of giveaways still over here. So, hey, man, I want to get this stuff out of the office, you know, just as much as anyone else. I think the best way to do it are these flash giveaways. I think we're going to start doing some through the app. Mm -hmm. So, you know, get the app downloaded. It's 100% free. And all of us have an iPhone or an Android, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so check it out. Just go to, you know, go to the app store and type in the office and you'll find it. Yeah, there you go. And it, turn on those app notifications in the app for sure. Yeah, that's good. Um, all right. So, again, we're going we're gonna to quickly update you on the virtual open and we're going to dive into this week's topic. But first, I want to thank this week's sponsor, first and foremost, Titleist. And guys, for Bob Volke, the quest for better wedge design is endless. And having met the man and understanding and you see the pursuit in his eyes, he is someone who he could have even retired long ago but it's just there's so much love and attention and care that he puts into always searching for ways to improve that feel and the functions of the tools that he crafts which are these amazing wedges and Voki design the sm8 wedges are the height of innovation they have six tour proven sole grinds precisely cut grooves and a reimagined center of gravity that leaves you with a club face that simply wants to square up um, I again we talk about how we're playing a little bit better so much of that is really relying on that short game and in so many ways the SM8s have been a huge 
huge driver for that for me in my game and I'm sure for you too. Uh, it just it feels like you've got so many great tools in your bag and when you really dial them in with a proper fitting like we had the chance to do, you're able to get those bounces and grinds for the conditions that you play and that's where you start to really find that those scores start to drop. They are truly your scoring clubs. I'm a, and a big advocate if, if you can only get fit for a couple of clubs, the wedges need to be high on your list. I believe in fitting for the whole bag, but putter, driver, wedges, I think that that can be so vital, just really honing your game in. I love the fact that I can get so aggressive on trying to crank it off, shorten a par four because I've got these wedges, mm -hmm. uh, as well as you know getting aggressive on approach shots, knowing that if I miss the green, I got this 60 degree, which I love, appropriately stamped money club. Yes, it's your money I club. I love it. That's uh, right. So yeah, dude, spot on. Yeah. So visit Vokey.com to learn more of the Vokey SM8 wedges and schedule a fitting. Uh, or you can also complete the wedge selector tool. It'll really give you an idea of what wedges are going to be right for you. But if you can get that fitting, guys, it's worth its weight in gold. Go out and check it out. Find the right wedge for your game. We learned very quickly in Pinehurst that you need the right wedges for your game. No doubt. Different and for different conditions, you really need to bounce. work with your fitter and mm -hmm. tell them, hey, these are the conditions I play in the regular and this is what it would be work best for me. 100%. It, it's a big change. Yeah, big change. 100%. And also want to thank FootJoy. FootJoy sets the standard for golf shoe performance and style. And this year, 2021, they brought out the all-new Premier Series. Frank and I are like falling in love. We yeah, I just, I just ordered another pair. You did. I mean, because they're so great. And it, it's, um, you know, these were designed in collaboration with the world's best players. I mean, Justin Thomas, Adam Scott, Max Homa. The Premier Series features classic styling with premium waterproof leathers and great details that exude craftsmanship. I mean, it's complemented by that state-of-the-art comfort. I mean, we've walked, I don't know, 100 holes in Pinehurst. I think we I probably used 50 of those holes. I wore these shoes and pillows. Yeah. These things are pillows. I didn't think they were going to be comfortable just by looking at them. But let me tell you something. They are the most comfortable shoe I've ever worn. You know, right right up there mm -hmm. with the flex on that, that, that casual shoe. But, you know, guys, you got to try for yourself. You got to experience that Versa Tracks Plus outsole for yourself. Learn more about that Premier Series at footjoy.com. Yeah, this is a shoe that will last you many seasons, mm -hmm. trust me. Um, all right, so again, quick update on the Golf Fizzy Virtual Open because you guys have been asking. If you're not already in our Facebook group, it's a free group. Make sure you join. The link will be in the show notes. Um, but what we're going to be doing is bringing it back, of course. And this, I've got to check. This might be the fifth annual. 17, 18, 19, 20. This is fifth annual. Fifth annual. Fifth annual. And each year it just seems to grow and get a little bit better. And what we like about this, it's a virtual open, but it's where you play real golf. So you're going to go out, you're going to play on your course of choice, but you're going to enter your score as though you're playing in a tournament. And it's great the way we have that. And you'll see, we'll, we'll get you all the details, but there'll be a live leaderboard. You can watch uh, yourself moving up and down that leaderboard as you play. And it's great to see that with hundreds of other golfers and see your name moving around the leaderboard. We do have a gross and net score. We use a, uh, a handicapping system. So for even some of our newer golfers, you don't need to know your handicap. We use the Peoria system. So they will, it'll actually calculate your handicap based on how you perform that day. Um, and it's just a lot of fun. You know, we do a lot of really great door prizes. So many uh, of, of the different companies, like they, they love to step in and, and, and throw us some great stuff as door prizes. We always appreciate that. It really makes it fun. And we'll, we announce all the winners at the end of all the door prizes. But um, just taking a look at some of these uh, stats, 2017 is the first year we did it. We had 308 players uh, register, 207 of them posted scores. 
And then last year in 2020, uh, just epic, uh, we had over 1,500 people register and over 1,100, almost 1,200 people on the leaderboard posted a score. So I think this year, if we can get 2,000 people to register, we may get 1,500 scores Jeez. posted. And you know why I like this so much? It just feels like we talk about like growing the game and literally just as golfers, putting our money where our mouth is and getting out there and playing. And when I see that 1,500 people play golf in this event, mm -hmm. I think it's great for the game. Oh, awesome. And we've seen friendships like really kind of come out of nowhere from this because we, we've had a lot of people in the Facebook group saying, hey, I'm going out to play my virtual open round. Is anyone in the Philly area or the Austin area or whatever it may be? And guys actually will pair up and go out there and, and play their round together. And we will share it on social and we'll get some great pictures from the event. So it's always a lot of fun. And the good news is we, we're going to run this thing for the whole month of August. So you will have the whole month of August to log one round. It's a one round tournament. And you'll be able to get out there. And like I said, no matter where you finish on the leaderboard, it's just about getting out there, having fun. And there's been a lot of people too, Mike, who've said, this is my first kind of taste of competition. Right. I, I, I play golf casually, but I've never played in a, a tournament. And it's it's kind of a great way to get your, your feet wet of, of understanding, like posting your score and seeing yourself on a leaderboard and seeing a net it and a gross. Cool. Yep. So it's a lot of ways that people get like kind of a first and get a, a, a warm-up feel for, for competition in, like I said, a very friendly way because there's no entry fee. It's free to play. You're not having to put your money on the line. And at the end of the day, the prizes, they're not tied to, to the results because we also don't have anybody out there attesting to scorecards. You're on your honor. Golf is an honor system game. You know, you're scoring yourself. So you go out there and do that. But then we, if you, anybody who plays, I don't care if you finish in first or dead last, you've got the same chance at winning. You know, it's a random raffle of winning one of the door prizes. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And you're going to play golf anyway, probably in the month of August. So you might as well log. You might as well do it. Every part of it's free. We run it in the 18 Birdies app. You can use the free version of the app to do it. We want, we really want to, to, as much as possible, lower any of the barriers to people being able to play. And that's one of them. We want to make sure that really the only thing that's on you is, is your greens fees. But you can play pretty much anywhere. Yeah. You know, you can play pretty much anywhere. Yeah. But I, think I think for your score to count, it's got to be a par 70 or greater. I believe. I think so too. But but either way, like I said, the Peoria system will kind of even all that out as far as the handicapping goes. Um, but again, we tried to make it as low cost to you guys as possible. Yeah, I'm hoping next year we can do hopefully an in person tri state area open. Yeah, you know, with yeah. 100 people or so. That would be great to do something in person. Uh, but well, again, the reason we get, do this is yeah. we don't want to leave anyone out. We right. we have people. Uh, as far away from us as Australia who play in this. And there's no way they're coming over here to, to play in an event. So take, I don't want anyone to feel left out. This is our, our leave nobody out event that we do every year. Um, all right. So let's dive into this week's topic. Let's talk about Ben Hogan's risk supposition. And this is something that's it's been around for a long time. It's constantly been around for a long time. It's been debated by some of uh, the different instructors out there, but it's something that, again, we're must not, not being teaching professionals or instructors ourselves. All we can do is relay to you guys the things that have worked for us. And this has helped me quite a bit with my ball striking. Uh, Mike, already you hit down on the ball quite a bit, yep. so you're already kind of getting into this position. I wouldn't say you're dealing with too much of a flip in your in your own game. Mm -hmm. I definitely do. I, I, I when One of my Miss hits is, is when I start to flip that club a little bit and I lose some power over it. So this has really helped me. 
But the reality is one thing that we can't debate is that Ben Hogan, one of the greatest ball strikers of all time. I mean, the guy's a legend. Oh, yeah. You know, so if, if some if Ben Hogan, it's like Tiger, you know, if they do something, a lot of people will then emulate it. So many people will emulate something from Tiger's swing. But the thing I also like about this is going back to one of our playing lessons, Tom Reynolds, he said, focus on what you want to do, not what you don't want to do. I love that. Model. Right. Yeah. And I find that the golf swing can get so complex. You see some of those funny memes where it's like. It's like what you're thinking about during a golf swing. It's like a hundred things around mm -hmm. the guy. It's all pointing like, don't do this, don't do this. Sometimes I find that if you can just get your swing thought down to one thing and just hone in on just do this, right? So I know this may seem complex, like big word, like supposition, supination, right? Um, but instead, well, we'll kind of simplify this for you. But if you can just think just getting, it, it really all comes down to just getting your um, wrists in the right position at, at impact and specifically your lead wrist so we're both righties we're going to talk from a righty standpoint if you're a lefty just kind of switch it would be your right wrist but we're looking at our left wrist and it's really just getting that wrist in a good impacted position mm -hmm. and the reason i like to focus on just that one thing is because if you're focused on doing that you, the rest of your motions will kind of kind of get themselves in order in order to get you there to that position. And it's something that you can kind of simulate to and just kind of feel and just kind of be doing this kind of motion, but just kind of uh, even even doing like a still frame of yourself and just putting where you want to be at impact and just holding it there and looking at it and then just saying, okay, this is where I want to be and then swinging. It's kind of like what Matthew Wolf does with his kind of like his rehearsal yes. where he He'll, for a second, he'll turn his whole body and re rehearse his impact position and then start his swing. You can do this even a little bit more subtly. Um, but the basic impact is you want that left wrist to uh, supinate, as they call it, uh, at impact. And basically what that just means is your that wrist bone is pointing towards the target. I, I try to think about how can I simplify this a little bit. Let's simplify it instead by just kind of saying your watch. Like let's take your watch because it's right over your wrist bone there. And you just want it to be where that watch is kind of pointing towards your target. And it, it's almost creating this like, almost like an arrow shape, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas the opposite, what we don't want to do is cupping, right? So this is cupping. So yes, we talk about like this cupping at the top of this one, but I'm talking about specifically at impact. If you're at impact and your wrist is, is pointing away from the target, instead of this is pointing towards the target, this is pointing away from the target. If that wrist is pointing away from the target and you're cupping, what that most likely means is that that club head is getting out in front of your wrist right. and the grip. Mm -hmm. That's a flip, right? So a good, crisp, compressed impact, you're going to get what we sometimes call like a little bit of a forward shaft, mm -hmm. right? Your actual, your hands and your, the, the, grip of the club is going to be out in front relative to the target of the club head. That's what creates that nice downward strike, that ball first, then ground, that divot after the ball that we want, all those types of things. But when you start to go the other way, when you're flipping and what's that, that results in is a, is a cupping of the wrist and the club face is getting out in front of the hands, right. you're losing power. Oh yeah, you're losing power. Sure. That's not. It's it, it's just not the cleanest strike. So, and and the thing is, a lot of golfers struggle with this. 
Um, if you look at on the PGA Tour and they freeze all these guys at impact, you're going to see where they're doing this properly. But if you go to the, your local range and you freeze everybody, you'd be surprised how many golfers are, in, are are doing it backwards. They're cupping that lead wrist at impact rather than doing. You so know, the wrist should never like do impact. The wrist should never do that. Like look at, look at this wrist. It should never go this way. Yeah, I mean, it well, if up. it did that, I mean, think about. Figure, picture your club face. Your club face is way open if your wrist is is twisted like that at impact. Right, because I the only movement I, the only movement I see this wrist doing is just going like this. You're saying that the golfers are actually opening this at some. Uh, don't don't do any turn. Just do this. Uh, so what, okay. what what I'm saying is a lot of golfers will make impact like this. Got it. I see. What you're so saying. this what cup, saying. and if this is cupped. Uh -huh. You think about it, extend out that club face has got to be a, in front of your wrist. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Right. Gotcha. Versus this way, now that club face is behind your wrists relative to the target. Gotcha. Your wrists are, are kind of leading as this almost as like pointing this little arrow at that target, and it like I said, it's something that a lot of people struggle with, and I, I think a big part of the reason why so many people do is you end up with these overactive hands. Mm -hmm. So uh, it, it's almost like in a kind of a slightly intuitive thing that we think sometimes we need to, or subconsciously I should say, think we need to help the ball into the air. And it acts in these scooping effects. So as we come down through the ball, that's where we start to get overactive hands and we use the wrist and we start to, we start to flip those wrists, that's what they call the flip, into this cupping position in order to kind of like scoop and lift that ball into the air. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very, very common kind of newer or inexperienced golfer's mistake. So we've talked here on the podcast before about the physics of the golf ball and why that golf ball goes up in the air. And it seems almost counterintuitive, but as we hit down, the ball goes up. So the way the physics work is you hit down on the ball, the ball will ride up the face of the loft. It happens in a millisecond. The ball compresses. It rides up the face of the loft. And the loft gets that ball in the initial launch conditions, launches it in the air. Right. But the backspin created by that ultimately is what helps that ball rise up in the air. Right? So when you, you hit down on the ball and do that, you don't need to do this overactive hands, wristy, flippy thing where you flip that ball up in the air. And I think that that may be obvious to a lot of golfers in a full swing environment, mm -hmm. but where it breaks down often is around the green in these short chips. And this is where it really broke down for me. I would start to get to this thing where I would just be wristy, just kind of flipping at that ball, right? right. Because you're trying to do it like in this finesse kind of soft way. You end up using a lot of wrists. What I've recently learned and why I've been playing a little bit better around the greens and been more consistent around the greens is that's a very hard thing to get consistent. And it can be, it can be things like uh, interaction with the turf or the rough can really kind of slow that movement down. Instead, I've been trying to get in this position of, of kind of locking that lead wrist in that good impact position where that, where that wrist bone is pointed a little bit toward the target and using instead the rotation of the body to still turn through it. That's something that Tom Reynolds showed me. That's something other coaches have showed me. And by doing that, I'm able to do a more repeatable motion. Again, we've said it before in the podcast, using the big muscles rather than the little muscles. Mm -hmm. So if you find you're using too much forearms, because forearms are what turn the wrists, that's where you start to say, okay, something's going wrong here. It's keeping those in a good impact position and turning the upper body, the big muscles, the big rotation is what helps you get through it. But if you find you're using your, your hands too actively in the swing, that's where you can be doing that 
casting or flipping, and it can it can lead to poor ball striking. Should any shots or use break your wrists? Shouldn't shouldn't they all be? Yeah, I mean the wrists are going to naturally roll over. But, but what should. I've heard coaches tell me is that at no point should you have to do like a, a, a manual override of the system and roll your and roll wrists your over. Wrist what they're saying is that if you can get into a good rotational position, the, the wrists will naturally roll over at the right thing. If you start to try to override that and control the, the, the roll of the wrists, that's where it can lead to like non-consistent ball striking. Right. So I got to see, I got to imagine ripping the club is very important. It very much is. You've got to make sure. So that's another thing that leads to like the second kind of really common problem is some golfers get into way too strong of a grip. Right, right. Uh, and if you get that, and, and this is something that can be, we can do a whole other episode on, but I would encourage you guys to just, if you're not sure what a weak or a strong grip looks like, and it, it, it is another one of those misnomers in a certain way, it has nothing to do with how tightly you hold the grip. It's the where your hands are positioned a strong, a neutral, or a weak grip. Take a look at the show notes that go with this article. You can see a good graphic on it, or you can just Google it and take a look. But if you're in a very, very strong position, you're already starting off with that lead wrist a bit cupped sometimes. Mm -hmm. So if you can work your way back to a more of a neutral grip, it's a little bit easier to get into the position that we want. Uh, if you're too strong of a grip, it can be kind of hard to recover from that, that cupped position. Um, Look at the look at the, the angle of the club on the weak grip. Isn't that weird? Like where his wrists are and the club face is so open. Yeah, I would think that would be the strong grip. Yeah, well, weak grip, especially going to be with that right hand, is going to be more turned over in a weaker it. position. Yeah. Now, you, effectively, you could hold the club face square and, and grip it weak. But right. if you, yeah. the, the stronger you get, the more you're going to have that that issue with with getting a little bit more cupping to mm -hmm. the ball. Um, so yeah, so grip would be another another thing to look at, but it's really I think the number one thing comes down to sort of overactive hands. That's what it came down to for me. Start to flip the ball a little bit. So now, like I said, I try to think of what's that good impact position with that wrist bone just kind of pointed a little bit, protruding out a little bit towards the target, just like that. Um, and then by by doing that little bit, and then just realizing just using my body to rotate and and get to back to that position, it kind of simplifies the process a little bit. And one thing, if anybody wants to dive into this even deeper, I strongly encourage picking up Hogan's book mm -hmm. um, because, I mean, it's, you're, you're a big fan. I'm a big fan. I, it's, it should be on every golfer's shelf, if you ask me. It's just a terrific one. Um, but all right, so coming down to the nitty-gritty of how to kind of work on this, I think it can be difficult at first with full swings to feel it. Um, so I, I think a good thing you can do is start with short swings, especially chipping, because chipping, it, everything is moving slower. It's a, it's a more abbreviated swing. You can kind of get that feel for having that, that wrist start to bow out towards the target instead of away from it, or you can think of it as the watch, if you wear your watch on your left hand, bowing out towards the target. That's a great way to do it. Another way that um, coaches have, have helped me a little bit with it was with the impact bag on a full swing, because if you use an impact or a smash bag, as you make contact with that, it physically stops the club head and it forces your, your wrist to go in front. And what I found is that helped me feel the position of feeling my getting my hands and, and the, the grip of the club out in front of the, the club head relative to the target. Gotcha. Thus mm -hmm. forcing 
you to start to bow your wrists that way. So again, it's taking your, your left hand and starting to kind of bow your wrist a little bit towards the left instead of cupping it to the right. So um, you can, again, start with those chips, try them. If you find the handle of the club is hanging back, is hang and then the handle of the club is getting back behind the ball at impact, that's where you most likely you're going to have a certain amount of cupping in your lead wrist. Well, they have that's what we want to list, eliminate. Like I think there are. I think there are things you can hold in your hands and, and stuff and like that. Are these that. the same training aids that prevent casting, like the like those tour angle one? Yeah, because effectively you, that's what you're doing. You're, you're casting you're cast. or you're flipping. Right. You know, anytime, again, that club face gets the out there and ahead mm -hmm. of it, um, that's where you're going to start to get to that, that motion. So for chip shots, one thing you can do is you can kind of just start with your hands a little bit more in front of the ball at address because that's like that simulated impact position. And then that just gives your your body and, and your mind yeah, something to get back to, to mm -hmm. right? Just like, here's that position. And like I said, I could do it even with full swing sometimes. I, I like to sometimes right before I take a swing, just get a little bit of a forward shaft lean. That forward shaft lean is going to cause that wrist to supinate a bit. And then just remind yourself to get back to that position. And you can just do it with your rotation. It's all about simplifying. I'm not trying to make it more complex. I'm actually trying to simplify it here. You know, it's funny. I watch back uh, when I watch our vlogs. I see some of my shots like that I dig so deep. The club literally doesn't need it. It just stops in the ground. But the yeah. ball yet still travels the full distance. Yeah. It's insane. I mean, I see it when I'm editing our videos with yours. Because, well, think about it. The earth is going to win. I don't yeah. care how hard you swing. Yeah. The earth is going to win. It's a big... Big object that's going to stop yeah. your club, but for you, the club, the ball flies the same because you're making that impact after impacting the ball. Right. I always wonder if, it, if it's ruining my golf game that I'm not fluently swinging through. Like I'm literally hitting ground and it's like stopping. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I mean the only thing that I think that it would affect is that your 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 impact angle might be too steep, and that there's the result of that of, of too much spin. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying. Right? But but that's pretty much it. The, the good news is that you're doing it. You're hitting that ground after you hit the ball. Where we see the disaster, the chunk, is when you hit the ground first. Because, yeah. that, again, that ground is going to win. It's going to stop the club. And, and well, that's how it was at the, at the start of my golf quest. So I, I've made great progress. There you so, go. It's good. Most important thing here, though, guys, don't lose sight of the big picture. You know, it, it, it's important to get those wrists working pop properly. But you got to still maintain, you know, your attention on those fundamentals that we talk about here, I feel like, every week. Balance rotation, swing plane. Um, but again, I find that this can be one of those things that can kind of simplify the issue if you're specifically, you know, struggling with ball striking, struggling with casting or flipping, you can find the be like, instead of trying to think of a million different things, just think about getting that lead wrist into the, an, a, the proper position at impact. And again, for anybody who is not watching this podcast on YouTube or Facebook or in the Golf SEF, if you're just listening to it, um, a quick Google search, especially there's, there's so many illustrations of Hogan and his hands and what he wanted you to do. There's so many out there. I think sometimes that quick visual will just make it click, understand what you need to do, and you understand that it's a much more powerful position to have that lead wrist bowed towards the target versus bowed away from the target. It's so much more of a powerful position. Yeah. Um, but everything needs to come together, but I find that it, it comes together easier when you know where your wrists need to be, and then you can just let your body rotate and, and just deliver the club there. Whatever, man. You're firing your personal best, so we're going to listen to you. <laughs> yeah. Still got a long way to yeah. go, that's for sure. <laughs> but I, again, 
it's it's one of those things that I know. I know myself like every right. golfer. I mm-hmm. will get away from it. I mm-hmm. will start to flip. I will my swing will break down under pressure situations or a really difficult um, greenside chip or flop shot. Yep. And then I will just the 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 where the difference is separating where your round will go completely off the rails and be a terrible score is just realizing what you're doing and then having these quick reminders. And I find that this little Hogan trick is the reminder that helps me get my game back on track when it gets off from a ball striking standpoint. Love it. All right. Good so, time. guys, if you've tried it, if there's something, if there's a lesson that you've gotten, uh, if there's a, another way of kind of describing, because like I said, this can get a little bit complex to describe, a way to describe it, think about it, whatever it may be, let us know. Share it with us. Share it in the comments or share it in the Facebook group. And again, guys, stay tuned because more and more details as we get closer to August will come out about the virtual open. You and I, Mike, we play our virtual open round every year and and we vlog the whole thing and put the video out there and it's so much fun to do. And it kind of shows you guys from the newer uh, participants how to do it and how to enter your score. Trust me, it's super easy. But a lot of you guys, you've been with us this all four years. You're our veterans. Uh, so you're our recruits too. Get your buddies to play in it. You know, if you're playing around, just you, you can even you can even enter the score for them. That's right. Yeah, you, you know, can. one mm-hmm. person in a foursome can go into the 18 birdies app and enter the score. Um, but we'll get all the information out there of how you can register for those door prizes because that is one extra step. Just register for door prizes so we know where to send them if you're one of our winners. And we'll have all that information out for you guys in just a few weeks. Uh, in the meantime, you can get to the show notes of everything we talked about today by going to golfisty.com slash episode 380. And we'll see everybody again next week. 